This is a podcast by The Straits Times. They spent their formative years growing up in the age of social media. Their parents are likely to espouse hard work and resilience. But the mantra is work-life balance. And they are beginning to become visible as leaders at our organisations. They are the millennials. Welcome to Work Talk. In this episode 22, we are talking about millennials, the generation aged 27 to 42. There are about a million of them in Singapore. Some of them are starting families. Many of them would have earned more than a decade of work experience. Many of them are taking or will go on to take on leadership roles. What are they like at work? What are their aspirations, challenges and worries? To start, I have Assistant Professor Chong Singhui, an organisational psychologist who teaches at the Nanyang Technological University. When we were young, we were told very much like, oh, you know, uh, if you study hard, you are going to do very well in life. We were very obsessed with exams, like primary four, we take streaming, EM1, EM2, EM3, then primary six, PSLE, N-levels, O-levels, A-levels, poly exams and so on. While we were growing up, we were told that, yeah, you know, just study really hard and like once you get a university degree, then your life will be better. But after we have done that, we realised that actually there's no end to this tunnel. Singhui may be a high-flying professor and work-life balance expert. But at 35, she is also a millennial. And like many of her millennial peers, she has seen through the rat race. So at some point, like, I think people are recognising that, hey, um, I cannot keep on delaying this gratification. I need to sometimes put myself first or my family first as well. Like, there's no end to this career pursuit and there's no end to earning money. And also, um, of course, like, the, the larger environment also plays a role. Like, of course, like, um, millennials are finding it more and more difficult to own properties and so on now due to increasing prices. So all the more they might be thinking that maybe it's not that worth it sacrificing, like, my personal time and my family quality time to, like, just earn some money and maybe just get a small condo. So they might rather, like, enjoy a higher quality of life instead of, like, working all their guts out. What Singhui had just said reflects the views of many Singapore millennials. According to a survey which research firm Milieu Insight conducted for the Straits Times, going through the answers to the 28 questions that Milieu asked led me to my conclusion that millennials are what I would call a work-life balance generation. For one, they're likely to describe their careers as stressful. They are also most willing to stand up for work-life balance grievances at the workplace, more so than for issues such as gender equality, corporate ethics, or even sustainability. Work-life balance is also the biggest reason for those who said they are satisfied with their careers. Here is Darren Lim. Darren heads communications for Southeast Asia at tech firm SAP. At 35, Darren is a millennial and the father of a three-year-old girl. I would say I agree to a certain extent that work-life balance is quite a priority for us. And for me personally, myself, I think work-life balance is essential in a sense where you get to calibrate and decide how much time you want to spend from a corporate work perspective and how much time you want to spend with your family. Milieu's survey also found that among the one in four Singapore millennials who would rather not be leaders at work, more than half nail it down to fear more work. Or more stress. I would like to introduce Safafisalam Bohari Jaung, a sustainability consultant at Eden Strategy Institute. 
Safar, as we fortunately have been advised to call him, is 27. He was 8 when social media Facebook started in 2004. Being a millennial, he says, means juggling disparate identities and expectations in both the real and online world. There's so many things that the millennial generation or just young people in general are expected to be. One is this idea of overlapping and competing sort of public identities and expectations. We are expected to be hungry for our careers, but at the same time, uh, we're labeled as strawberry generation. We're expected to uh, be, be caregivers for, for our parents as well as for, for our young children. Uh, we're expected to have some sort of online presence, you know, to be influencers, to be thought leaders. So there's, there's so many things that we sort of have to give attention to. A lot of millennials or a lot of young people, while they were building up this public persona, they might have already started working. Um, so then it's difficult to maybe adjust one persona to fit the other. And whereas their seniors may have stayed in one job or one career their whole lives, millennials find themselves stuck midway in a climb up their career ladder, as changes in the world happen ever more and more rapidly. Some people feel that they're stuck at square five. They've chosen a niche, chosen to study this, chosen this particular line of work. They already had to start that race, uh, and, and now they're at square five, not knowing whether they should start again at square one, or whether they should just continue climbing that tree, or whether they should jump to another tree and maybe fall down to the forest floor, right? So I think that's that's that challenge for people who, who realize that they want to, to switch careers or, or switch opportunities. Somehow, it feels like they have been oversold. We, we were sort of sold alive. We were sold alive that if you work hard, you're earnest about your work and you just put your head down and get through it, then you, you'll, you'll get what you want. And, and we're sort of discovering that, you know what, maybe that's not really, really true. And with, with the Gen Z, they grew up without that lie. So they have the opportunity to choose careers that, that really align with, with where they want to get to. I would say Singaporean society is not quite yet sufficiently accommodating for, 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 for most people to make this a viable career choice. And, and now, even though the government is putting a lot of money into making us more career mobile and, and exploring more pathways, it's difficult because you're not starting from a tabula rasa. So the world is changing rapidly. So are jobs. Whereas the older generations that came before them lived through one or just a couple more tracks in their careers that really utilise their areas of expertise and experience, millennials are finding it hard to do the same. And yet, they're being constrained by old standards from charting their own ways. Here's Singhui. From my observations of a lot of companies, um, is that they are slightly too obsessed with the idea of having current experience. So in some sense, like, you know, like undergrads these days, they have to complete like maybe two internships or three internships. And then like when they are trying to apply for their first job, they already need to have experience in the industry to get their first job. So companies are making the barrier of entry very high as well, which makes it very hard for people to like just um, switch. I think more has to be done to um, educate like managers and companies to be more open-minded and to believe that a lot of skills are actually transferable. Is there a way out of this? I asked Sinhui. You should be hiring for their potential rather than just their past experience. I would say that probably a two-pronged approach where we, we look at like institutional um, interventions and individual like initiatives as well. So on the individual level, there's a need to teach people to unlearn their beliefs about learning. In some sense, like we believe that you know, like if we learn a specialized skills, then we should go into that specialization for the rest of our life and we will be irreplaceable if we become like specialized in our skills. But I think like in current age is is no longer like 
valid or that relevant. So people need to recognize that and not feel afraid to step out and to upskill themselves. And by upskill, I don't mean just like deepening their existing skills, but also like broadening their existing skill set so that they feel more like mobile in terms of like crossing to different sectors and so on. I would say that the government is doing quite a lot in terms of like encouraging people, but it's a psychological thing that people are reluctant to step out of their existing profession and try new things because frankly, like what if something goes wrong? One of the most interesting things we discovered from the survey is that our millennial men seem to be a little bit more sensitive or delicate. Asked how they would describe their careers, Singapore male millennials are more likely to pick emotional terms such as happy, excited, fearful. Their female counterparts, on the other hand, were likely to pick neutral, meaningless, bored. Singapore male millennials worry more about their aging parents. They are also more stressed over relationship issues. I asked Safa if our millennial men are indeed more prone to heartache and heartbreak. I would say dating apps are are quite ubiquitous within millennials. If dating apps are are so ubiquitous and you can always have this idea of, oh, maybe there's someone better out there. Because if I swipe a few more times, then then there's there's someone out there. I would say the set of challenges between men and women uh, using dating apps. For men, it's a different kind of exhaustion from, from women. For men, it's mostly about being rejected. And you sort of ideally grow a thicker skin to that. For women, when you filter down all that way, you realize that this is still not the right person for you. And then you have to repeat that whole process again. So it's a different kind of exhaustion. Even today, our boys are finding it hard to say how they feel. I think maybe when it comes to men's and emotions, I think that there's still a lot of stigma from guys who maybe don't find it very... Uh, macho or don't find it very masculine to articulate your emotions and be vulnerable with each other. It's possible that it's a product of maybe our two years of national service and this idea of uh, we, 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 we dig trenches together and, and we don't need to say much about that. That, that collective trauma is, is sort of an unspoken experience that we share together and therefore we don't really need to seek support from each other. I would love to see a society where Guys can talk about their problems and their challenges and talk about times that they've been very lonely or times that they've been very down emotionally and still receive the support that they need. Maybe speaking a little, both from experience and also from my professional knowledge, I would say that the gender roles for males are changing more than the gender roles for females. Like for females, technically, like we do know that if I choose to get married and start a family and have kids, I do have some level of expectations that there would be some impact on my career and I would have to maybe make some sacrifices if I want to be a very engaged caregiver for my child. For males, I think it's not so consistent across different males. You know, I'm in my mid-career now, I want to climb up to the top top management, but I also want to be an engaging father too, because a lot of millennials have very young kids now, like, you know, those between 27 to 42. So they also want to be involved parents, and they also have to manage, like, the extended family, assuming that if a lot of grandparents are involved in the childcare, there might be certain conflict within the family and so on. So technically, I can see how like males might be experiencing like more emotions in this process because they have more to think about in terms of like who am I and what should I be in the next few years and how are these changes going to impact my career and my family life and so on. 
Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. Let's return to our chat with our millionaire guest, Assistant Professor Chong Xinghui from Nanyang Technological University, Mr. Darren Lim, a regional communications leader at tech firm SAP, and Mr. Safafisalam Bohadi Jaung, a sustainability consultant at Eden Strategy Institute. The milieu survey also showed up clear intergenerational differences. Millennials value emotional strengths in their leaders, such as being open-minded, being communicative, and motivational. They value these traits in their leaders more than intelligence, integrity, or resilience. As a Gen X, I find that totally odd. I think there's this shift towards a more uh, people-centric leadership style. And I think leaders in this new era, they actually need to recognize that there is no fixed benchmark of like appraising employees anymore. Like people bring in diverse skills and people bring in unique traits that they can value add to the team or to the company. If they have technical skills, that means they are very good employees. Maybe not. Like maybe if they have very strong soft skills, communication skills, or just maybe if they are a very good citizen in the team and helps bond people together, they are considered very valuable members of the work team as well. So I think moving on, the workplace is becoming more dynamic. So leadership has to go with the flow and accept all this fluidity in like how to evaluate people in the workplace and how to develop people in the workplace. How are these differences playing out? The orders of Generation Z, age 11 to 26, are coming into the workforce. For the first time in history, we're likely to see four generational workplaces. Where do millennials stand? I asked Darren. Being the millennial, now uh, quite a number of us will be in the middle management position, right? You get to coach and mentor younger uh, Gen Z colleagues because you're still a digital native. You can relate to them. But yet at the same time, I actually started my career at a point in time where I was working very closely with a Gen X leader. And I also believe in the sense where hard work is a badge of honor. So I get the best of both worlds. So when you say whether you want to manage upwards or you want to manage downwards, we are in a very good position to help bridge that. I might think that our millennials have an unenviable path ahead. But I'm told that that's just me, putting Gen X lenses on things. Well, I think um, each generation sort of has its own mountains to climb, its own demons to conquer. Perhaps with older generations, the challenge was more of securing a livelihood, securing that, that, that wealth and influence in, in a world that was maybe not so certain. For, for Gen Zs, I think there's a lot more focus on, let's say, mental health uh, and, in, and in finding their identity. I tend to agree with Safa. The Gen X and the Boomers, they were growing their careers in a period where Singapore was going through more volatile times. And technically, I do think that they did have to make a lot of like, sacrifices of their personal times to help the economy grow during those times. While for Gen Z, they are very connected to the world. So in some sense, I think they, they recognize that there are different ways to succeed. So for example, if we think of like Gen X and millennials, like we wouldn't think that you can become successful by becoming a YouTuber or a TikToker. But for Gen Z, it is possible. It seems like for every generation, the yardsticks for success and the paths towards success are changing and we need to be open-minded and to embrace like, oh, you know, like if I am not going to do it in a very conventional manner, 
um, then I should seek out another path. And that's okay too, as long as I'm successful based on my own definition. That's right. Who's to lay the parameters for the millennials but themselves? Here's Darren. You know, we go back to think, then what defines success? Would it mean that you have more time to play golf? Does it mean that you live in a condo? You have the five Cs, which is what previous generation was obviously touting a bit more. Uh, I don't think millennials look at it that much from a five Cs perspective, because that's a bit of older generation kind of uh, benchmark for success. For me, it's a, it's a mix of both time as well as the different opportunities that I get to experience. For example, being part of a corporate work, uh, you know, giving back to society. Finally, I asked our three millionaire guests to describe their generation in one word. Enterprising. Versatile. Bridging. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. A big thank you to Singhui, Darren and Safa. I have learned so much from them. We have included links to a package of stories on millennials, the new leaders at the workplace, in the show notes. I also want to thank Milieu Insights for helping us with the survey. He has given us such tremendous insights. It's been a pleasure having your company on this episode 22 of Work Talk, a Straits Times podcast to help you think deeper, work smarter, and get ahead in your work life. I am Chris Bull. On behalf of our producers, Jo Tongkai, Mohamed Hadiu, Paxton Pang, and the rest of the production team supervised by Ernest Lewis. Thank you. Have a good work week. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.